The following Truth Barista podcast is a high beam ministry production. But there must be alternatives. You must have some technology that could solve our problem. Your problem is not technology. The problem is you. You lack the will to change. Then help us change. I cannot change your nature. You treat the world as you treat each other. But every civilization reaches a crisis point eventually. Most of them don't make it. Yours did? How? Our son was dying. We had to evolve in order to survive. So it was only when your world was threatened with destruction that you became what you are now? Yes. Well, that's where we are. You say we're on the brink of destruction, and you're right. But it's only on the brink that people find the will to change. Only at the precipice do we evolve. This is our moment. Don't take it from us. We're close to an answer. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H I G H B E A M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Well, here we are, sitting in our booth, Friday Bible study, Amazing Larry, mm-hmm. looking at each other, mm-hmm. frustrated as all get out, because mm-hmm. we don't know who the president's going to be. And on one side, we realize that we've got President Trump, and some people are probably going to throw a hissy fit if he happens to make it in, and towns will burn, cities will burn, and people will be total jerks. And on the other hand, if President Biden gets in, well, excuse me, Vice President Biden gets in, then we know it's actually going to be not too long before President Harris. And after that, it's going to bring in a Democrat platform that's really from the pit of hell. What do you think? Oh, pit of hell. Yep. Wow, Truth Barista. That sounds a little partisan. No, it's biblical. I've looked at the platform, and you can't tell me that in the Democrat platform, the approval and the pushing of abortion up to the point of birth, and then actually the, the acceptance of infanticide after birth is okay. You can't tell me that their platform affirming any and every type of sexual deviancy or practice or whatever is is okay. And even Kamala or Kamala, whatever she says, has recently said she's open for legalized prostitution. And you have a platform that is so anti-God. You can't tell me that's a heavenly platform. That is a hellish platform. And what really concerns me right now, and this is why I am so hot, if they get into power, if they manage to take power, what is it going to be like for us Christians to live under that? How are we going to wrestle with that? How are we going to react? How are we going to respond? So I started doing a Bible study on that. Well, you know something? I've got a solution to how we are to react. Okay, go. We we moved to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Sad part is, as much of what we're seeing is coming to the United States is already happening in Canada. Correct. There are pastors who have been imprisoned, jailed, because they preach the truth of the Bible, and the government doesn't like it, and so now it's labeled hate speech. In Scotland, Scotland is looking at passing a law that the church itself says you can't do this because then the Bible itself becomes hate speech, 
and you could be jailed for that. Well, I do think eventually, this is just Larry speaking, but I have sensed for a long time that the Bible will eventually become tagged that way. It will be a hate speech manual or book and could be, could be banned. But before we started talking about this, Truth Brista, you said there were three things which I think is very important to really bring out. And those were three things that you saw as the Democratic Party was violating. Could you talk about those three? Okay, just just briefly, we've yep. covered this before. We okay, have. the three things that you find in the Bible, God says defile the land. And these are things that make him throw up. These are abominations. These are things that strike at the core of God's moral standard is, number one, idolatry, which is turning away from God, rejecting him, and embracing other gods. Number two, immorality, sexual immorality, which is anything outside of a husband and wife sexual relationship within the marriage context. Gee, I'm sorry to pop some people's bubbles out there. (laughs) Anyway, and the third one is the shedding of innocent blood. There are actually three I's, and here's a great way of remembering that. I is the middle letter in sin, and all three of these things start with I. Idolatry, immorality, and innocent blood. Promoting these three things are promoting three things that God abhors, and by the way, they are major planks in the democratic platform. See, the reason I wanted you to say that again is I think it's very easy to remember and really a good response when somebody says, well, I can support this kind of platform and here's why. It's simple. It's not real big, deep theological. Exactly. I'm not saying I dislike them because they have, you know, obnoxious characters like some people are reacting to President Trump. I don't like him because, you know, he's he's rude and he's brash and he's... No. I want to see the policies. I want to see the platform. And so far, I like the platform that he's supporting and has done a lot of good work on over the last four years. Well, I have a friend, very close friend, who said, you know, there's a national pastor, author, very famous. If I mentioned his name, everyone would know it. He came out against Trump, almost saying that, well, you can't vote for a guy who has a character like this. And I'm going, really? And and totally yeah. ignoring what you just said about the platform of the Democratic Party. It's like, really? You're a 40-year preaching pastor, nationally ranked, if you want to put it that way, and you're totally ignoring everything for just some personality traits you don't like in the present president? And and what struck me hilarious and so contradictory about all of that is the fact that he goes, I don't like Trump's personality, and I don't like his character. And I'm going, have you never studied Vice President Joe Biden and listened to his words and seen what he's done? This is not a character issue. It is a platform issue. And for a pastor to stand up and to decry a sitting president because of personality and yet turn around and support somebody who supports the three things, the three baseline issues that turns God's stomach, I would say to that pastor, you might as well step out of the pulpit because you're doing Everybody, no good. Yeah, disservice. Now, when you first I'm came... sorry, was that a little bit harsh? <laughs> you know, frankly, I don't care. It's about time that pastors and those who claim to be Christian leaders actually adhere to the Bible or get out of the pulpit because they are leading their sheep astray. It's bad enough. You know, I'm on a pulp. I'm on a soapbox right now. Oh, you are. It oh. is bad enough that the church is so ignorant of the Bible that they can't discern what their pastors are saying that is leading them astray. And so this is the passion of my heart is what does the Bible say about this? 
And yes, we need to cover all of the topics, but this is a baseline issue. However, I'm not so confident that President Trump is going to be president. I think, and I'm personally convinced this election was grossly stolen. When mm-hmm. You know, you want to talk about conquer and dominate. Right. An election is basically a contest to win the hearts of the populace and based on platform and ideas, hopefully. And that's kind of a subdue and rule contest. Who will be the ruler, so to speak, or the leader that we will submit to to lead this nation as a whole? That's fine. That's great. But when you have people out of their sin natures, manipulate an election by stealing votes, harvesting ballots, manipulating counting machines, and all this stuff that, yes, we do have sworn affidavits, and that is evidence because you will get thrown into jail for perjury for a false affidavit. But when you have this kind of thing happening, that's conquer and dominate, doing everything in your power to take power in order to control. So we've talked about this in the past. Subdue and rule is one thing, but when it becomes sinful, it's conquer and dominate. And what you're seeing in this election now, the aftermath of it, is the efforts that have been going on for, if not the last six months, but the last years and even decades, trying to wrest control of the United States into one party's hands in order to destroy it. That's conquer and dominate. Truth, Barista, that's why you're my hero. You know, just point out the truth and you stand your ground. No compromise. You're there. You put your stake in the ground. I love it. Now, when I first came into the coffee shop today, you said you had an experiment. And I love the experiment because it's symbolic of what's going on in the broader arena of culture. You went into a drugstore looking specifically for what? You know, you and I have been dealing with this whole mask mandate, right? And I mean, it's tough around here. I'm I'm seeing some of the people coming in here. They're wearing masks in here. They're wearing masks outside. They're wearing masks in their car, you know, and now the Pennsylvania governor, you need to wear masks in your home. So, I mean, being the truth barista, I wanted to find out the truth. So I did an experiment. I went to my local major chain, if you want to say pharmacy, etc. And I went to this drugstore and I looked at three boxes of masks. And I said, I want to see what the mask manufacturer says about their product. On each one of those boxes, all three, it said, this is ineffective against viral transmission. Do you get that? The manufacturer itself says, this does not work preventing viral transmission, which means these masks are worthless as opposed to, you know, to stopping the sea bug, as I call it, the coronavirus. Now, I have friends who I've said this to, and they've kicked back, and, I'd, and they've said, yes, but it stops the water droplets that the virus rides on and can be in. Yeah, great, as long as the virus that you're breathing out stays in a water droplet. Those viruses do not do that. They are expelled in the air. If, if the virus stayed in the water droplet and the mask captures all of the aerosolized water droplets, then the mask manufacturer would say, these are perfectly effective in stopping the virus. No, they said it is ineffective, all three masks. Now that got me angry because now we have governors and leaders who are exercising a level of control that many people are finding totally onerous, obnoxious, and heavy-handed. 
Well, what I found was interesting, I went to the doctor the other day. I actually went to, it's called the VA hospital because I'm a vet. I went and had my annual physical. And every single doctor and nurse was wearing two masks. One was a mask and one was a shield. You look on the evening news. They all in the medical field have two masks. And I have to ask the question, based on what you just said, that they're really protecting themselves because they probably know what you just said is true. That a single one of those paper masks is not effective in stopping the virus. And that's what they want to do. They want to stop the virus from spreading. Right. Okay. So I need to just kind of take a big deep <sighs> breath here and just relax. Okay. Yeah. Now, where I was kind of going with all this is, and you can tell how frustrated I am, and for years I have taught friends around me, frustration leads to anger. So we need to deal with the frustration aspect that leads to anger because it's okay to be angry so long as we don't sin in doing it. That's what Ephesians 4 says. So we need to take a breath and go back and deal with what is... The frustration level. And you know what's going to help me the most? I bet I know. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) It's a good, freshly brewed cup of coffee. Go fetch, boy. Go fetch. Truth Barista, this program is produced by High Beam Ministry. Now, what is High Beam Ministry? High Beam Ministry serves to bring God's truth to life. The problem is, in our day, it's very much like Amos 8.11, where God says, Look, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, in many cases, you go to many churches today, they will not confront many controversial topics. Many times you hear the gospel or God's word soft-pedaled. In my own experience as a pastor over the years, I'm amazed at the lack of biblical knowledge among the average Christian. And so what really motivates me and caused me to create High Beam Ministry is to solve the ignorance issue. We call it High Beam Ministry, as in car high beams, and it's based on Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We upgraded it to a car thing, saying that we are shining the light of God's word on the road ahead. Our goal is to help you understand and apply God's word, to give insights you don't normally get, to be controversial, to take some of those controversial topics and help you think more about what they mean and how to apply them. Plus, we want to bring the truth in an unvarnished way. We want truth well taught. So in High Bee Ministry, you'll hear the Truth Barista podcast, and we invite you to read the Frothy Thoughts blog, where I'll write down some thoughts that you can share with others. Please like us on Facebook and on social media platforms. Share us all around. If there's anything we can do to help you, email us at Ministry, all one word, Ministry at gmail.com. Thanks for bringing back my coffee, mister. (laughs) Okay, I'm settled down now. I'm settled down. Okay. Amazing, Larry. You know how frustrated you and I have become with all of the regulations regarding the coffee house, the early shutdowns that have come through, the absolute closures, the now we have to bring everything out to the curbside. And and we've seen the frustration on our patrons' faces as they come in here from Big Brain University. What distresses me the most or what concerns me the most, that's the best way to say it, 
is Christians' reactions to leaders they don't agree with, okay? Interesting. It is. Now, there's a lot of frustration over governors. There's a lot of frustration over mayors. There's certainly a lot of frustration over presidents. Now, we know a president or so ago, there were many Christians that really chafed under Bill Clinton. There were many Christians who chafed under Barack Obama. And I heard some pretty nasty stuff being said about both of them, which is totally unbecoming of Christians. And so, yes, I'm a work in progress. And so I wanted to say, okay, Lord, what would happen if we did find ourselves again under, by all indications, a pagan president and a pagan party under a despotic regime trying to lock down and control the United States of America or even destroy it? What should be our reaction? So I really wanted to take this to the extreme and say, okay, how would we deal with it? Because if we can learn how to deal with it in an extreme situation, we should be able to know how to deal with it in even minor ones, like a boss that kind of gets on your nerves, right? Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. So I went back to one of my favorite books, Daniel. It is your favorite. Interesting. One of my favorites. I've studied it. I find it totally fascinating. The first part of the book is Daniel's life in Babylon and then into the Persian Empire. And then the second half of the book is all this prophecy, which stretches to the end of time. It's it's really a sweeping epic of biblical narrative. I just love it. And and I learn a lot of stuff from this book. I'll have to go and study it more. Well, I have read it, but I mean, wow. I mean, if uh, Truth Priest is saying that that's one of his favorite books, well, then I'll have to take a closer look at it. Well, okay. Let's go with this. So what if we Christians find ourselves living under a pagan king in a pagan despotic political system? Based on Daniel, don't fear. Learn. Learn from Daniel because that's exactly what he was living with. Through his faith and convictions, Daniel proved his worth to God, and God approved of Daniel, using him in even profound ways, even to the overturning of the Babylonian empire into Medo-Persian hands. Empire to empire, Daniel was the key announcer it was going to happen. And then Daniel was able to predict the future all the way to the end of human dominion on earth when God's kingdom sets up. So maybe Daniel would have something to teach us. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope we can get into it and learn those lessons. I actually have six scenarios from Daniel. We'll cover a couple today, I think. Okay. Okay. And then we'll do the rest next Friday here. Okay. So I I call this study, How to Be a Daniel in a Nebuchadnezzar's Court. And let's start with chapter one here. Okay. So you've got your little electronic Bible there. Yep. Okay. Now you're kind of familiar with the book of Daniel, right? You've read through it a couple of times. Yeah. And and you're right. The first part is about uh, his experiences in Babylon. And then the last part is it's prophecy. So that's kind of about all I know. Okay. So here are the stories. You know these stories. You've heard them before. Sure. Chapter one, Daniel is a new exile in Babylon and is being trained. Mm -hmm. Chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar gets a dream and needs it interpreted. Chapter three is the fiery furnace. Chapter four, King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream, but it's not about necessarily necessarily the empires. It's about himself. Chapter five, you have Belshazzar, who is the last king of Babylon, and that's the writing on the wall Mm -hmm. chapter. And then chapter six is Daniel in the lion's den. Mm -hmm. So you know a lot of these stories already. Absolutely. Okay. So let's kind of go through chapter one. You can read it on your own. He's a new exile. Mm -hmm. He's a young teen at this point. 
And he and his three buddies are enlisted in the Babylonian Academy for gifted and talented students. <laughs> Seriously, Funny. that's what it was. They were being taught the language. They were being taught the culture. No doubt they were even being taught about the occultic things in the nation. But yet their devotion to God kept them separate from that. And God did remarkable things through them. Now, there's nothing wrong living in a pagan culture and learning about that culture, okay? But they were slaves. But they were slaves. That's right. They just want to make sure. No, they They, were captives, Mm -hmm. okay? But Daniel and his three friends, you know, part of that training did include things that violated the Torah, God's way of life, his law. In this first chapter, things like eating food and drinking beverages that would defile them, make them ritually unclean. So, for example, it'd be like, okay, here's your bacon cheeseburger here, Daniel. (laughs) Rabbinically, you can't mix meat and milk, but according to the Torah, pork is a not food. Right. It's not just prohibited. It's just not to be even thought of as food, right? So who knows? Maybe they got, you know, a nice pork chop for dinner or were offered that. And Daniel and his friends said, you know, uh, I just, we can't eat this stuff. Our God won't let us do so. So I like what it says here. This is chapter one, verse eight. You got it there? Okay. I do. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. He permission. asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. So he determined, which means he's faithful to God. He's following his convictions he, and he's trusting God. He asked permission. I love this approach. Many Christians just storm into the governor's office and said, you will do this. Or say to somebody who's an authority, you will do this for me. No, he asked permission. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't demanding. He was humble and respectful. Now, you kind of catch that little tone in the guard's voice when you read on later. He goes, yeah, but if I do that, then you guys look terrible and I'm going to be in serious (laughs) trouble. I could actually lose my head. Mm. And Daniel, who, by the way, is building a nice relationship with this particular guard, Mm is gracious and he gives him an appeal and offers cooperation. Here it is. Please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. Well, I love this. He was asking permission, yet he was firm. I mean, how many people who are slaves, who are taken into captivity, would even dare to say, no, I can't eat your food? I think you would go along with what your captors want for the sake of staying alive. But Daniel said he was kind, he asked permission, but he was firm. That says something about his character, too. Absolutely. I mean, even how many teens do you know have that kind of chutzpah and convictions to be able to come up to to their captor or even somebody in authority and say, I respectfully request, based on my convictions, so his convictions are driving him, to not do this. How many of the rioters in the Minneapolis area, in the Twin Cities area, and around the nations have gone from 1 to 11 on the dial? Daniel has gone from 1 to about 1.25 here. And the neat thing is, is the guard is listening to him, which tells me there's a relationship building there. So relationship is a good starting point. That's a foundational thing before you object. But number two is the way he presented it was very cooperative. He wanted to cooperate with the guard. And it also tells me he's concerned about the guard as well. 
You know, this represents in a symbolic way culture today, right? The guard. And because yeah. he's following the dictates of his superiors and so forth. So even as Christians are looking at culture today, we know we can't go along with culture for the most part, right? Right. So how do we push back? I mean, this is a great example. We push back in respect, but we're firm in and testing the culture and say, well, okay, what is the best method here when we're dealing with immorality or idolatry and we push back? Because isn't that what is happening here? Right. Well, in many parts of our culture, a lot of the immorality, idolatry, and shedding of innocent blood type of thing is being presented to us and being encouraged and promoted among us. It's not being demanded of us per se. Now, let me complete my thought before you jump in, is, yeah, we're being encouraged to participate in these things. Well, if we have firm convictions, it's simple. We just don't do it. However, when there comes a point where they say to a pastor, you must perform a same-sex marriage, even though you do not agree with it, you better have firm convictions. And you better be willing to say, with all due respect, I cannot do that based on my convictions. Now, if it's a law and we talked about this when we were talking about civil disobedience. Do we obey God or man? It can come to a point where we have to say, despite the law, I will not do this because I serve a higher law. And then you better be ready for what comes down the pike. Now, Daniel's not in this position. He's at that lower level thing. So he says to the guard, do this. And the guard does it. Thank God that Daniel had been given favor with his keeper. His request was granted, and the result was astoundingly good. I love this in verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. You see, you know, <laughs> they probably they probably looked a little bloated and pasty. And <laughs> too many white castles, you know. What? There's <laughs> never too many, too many white, white castles. castles. That's true. Okay, white castles are these great little hamburgers, if you mm-hmm. don't know what they are, you mm-hmm. know. I'm saying that for the benefit of the people in the booth next to us. But again, who doesn't know White Castles? Right. For those down south, they're crystal burgers, by the way. Are they really? Yeah, they're called wow. crystals. Mm. Okay, anyway, the point is this, <laughs> amazing Larry. We can remain faithful. We should develop our firm convictions. We can trust God. We should be humble and respectful and learn to be gracious in cooperation wherever we can and do not compromise. That's a great lesson just in that one particular chapter. Mm. Now, we're at a level in many places when we're dealing with bosses, when we're dealing with uh, anybody who's in authority over us, particularly politicians or the police or etc. You know, people are accusing the police, for example, of brutality. I keep telling somebody, we're not living in a police state yet. Now, some would disagree with me and, you know, they're, they're welcome to their opinions. But when a cop pulls me over, I am the epitome of respect. I'm a smile and a yes, officer. Yes, sir. No, sir. My hands are on the wheel because I don't want to give him or her any concern that I might be doing anything. And I'm respectful through the whole process. You know, what's been interesting when I've been like that, I have been let off for more not that I speed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Are you confessing, Truth Brista? Well, no, just because one part of my body is unsanctified, like my right <laughs> foot. No, no, no. On the occasion I've been speeding, on the occasion the tabs on my car has been expired, or I have a back tail light out, I don't get a ticket. Mm-hmm. The officer kind of looks at me, shuts his, his little notebook, and he says, make sure you take care of that, okay? Or make sure you drive slow. 
I have seen that more often than not. And then I hear my friends who pop off at cops. Yeah. And next thing I know, not only do they get a ticket for offense they had, but <laughs> they got resisting arrest and some of these other things. I'm thinking, you know, if you just dial it down a little bit and be like Daniel and start where he's at, things initially go a lot better. When you build relationships, you get a lot more of an audience to what you want to say and be. Well, and that's hard in our culture because our culture wants us to stand up for our rights and our rights set the precedent in every area of our lives. Therefore, we're arrogant, proud, we push back. Well, and that's part of our genetics as people of the United States, whether you like it or not. You can be on any side of the political spectrum, but we, well, as Americans, we are fiercely independent. Correct. We are ruggedly independent. And when push comes to shove, it really does come down to whether you're on the right or the left, hey, I'm all for me. (laughs) All for one and all for me kind of a situation. And this is why you're seeing what you're seeing today on both sides. It's the me, the I pushing back against the other side. It really works when you're willing to cooperate and build relationships. Well, there's a whole lot more here that we're going to learn from Daniel. I know we are because I've learned so much just in this first chapter. Well, we'll try to cover, you know, chapter two through six next week. Okay? Okay. All right. Now, you, sir? Yes, sir. Get back to work. All right. Now I have to go back to work. Why do we have to work so long anyway? Hi, this is Jay the Truth Barista. Thank you so much for listening to this particular podcast. You heard me mention about a Daniel study. Well, I've done a study in the book of Daniel, and I would like you to study with me. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. So what I've done is I've created a notebook that you can walk through. It's very, very complete, very comprehensive. It's not stuffy or academic. You'll really enjoy it. If you would like a copy of this student manual on the book of Daniel, send me an email at hi highbeamministry at gmail.com. That's high beam, as in car high beams, ministry, all one word, at gmail.com. We will send you an email right away and let you know how you can receive your copy. Thanks. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the RSS button, press it, and then enter your email. You'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Thanks for listening.